Well, it's so good to see you all. Thank you so much for coming out today. Um, it's always a real privilege uh, for me to, to get to share the word with my church family, you guys. Um, Pastor Jack's not here this morning. He's in Melbourne for their conference. But we've got the uh, better half, Pastor Carol, here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and uh, I think they're going to uh, America this afternoon, this morning. Yep, yeah? okay, cool, all right, for their conferences there too. All right, well, let me just pray as I start. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're a good God, that you love us. Lord, I ask that your presence would come right now, that everyone here, Lord God, would sense that your presence is here. Speak to us today, Lord God. Let my words speak to people's hearts today in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, I love this uh, theme that we've got for this year that Pastor Jack's given us, fearless, having a courage culture. I love it because it's the exact opposite to what society is telling me right now, to be fearful, to, to be fearing everything that happens. And once that fear is gone, there's another fear to fear, to be full of fear. And uh, the opposite is fearless. Let's fear less in our life. Let's be fearless and courageous. Mate, the, the world seems to give us a discouraged culture. Let's discourage everything that's good. Let's discourage everyone from being standing up and being a bit different. Let's discourage that. And I love it. We, we call, we're calling us this, this year to be fearless and have a courage culture over us. I love it. I hope you feel stirred by that because I feel stirred. Cool. You know, um, I've, I've been an electrician for, uh, for 32 years. Um, that's a fair while. Yes, I'm old. That's okay. And, um, but some people would say that's a, a dangerous job. In, in many ways it is. But I realise that in the congregation our size, there's lots of people here that have dangerous jobs. Yeah? I, I realise that danger is real. But fear is optional. Yeah? If we're worried about the danger, then we wouldn't drive our car. We wouldn't swim at the beach. We, uh, we wouldn't go for a bushwalk, especially in Australia. If we're worried about danger, mate, there's danger everywhere. Life's dangerous, isn't it? We certainly wouldn't ride a motorbike. I ride a motorbike. Um, I know lots do. Yeah, there's lots here to do. Actually, Pastor Alison said this week that when she was a nurse, I'm going to throw her under the bus because she's usually sitting here, but she's not here. And uh, she said this week that when she was a nurse, she called motorcyclists temporary Australians. Yep. So there's lots of things that are dangerous. Life's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. But fear, or fearing the world we live in, is optional. Certainly for us as Christians, we don't have to fear it. You know, as I get older, I, I realise that there are parts of my job that where I used to not be worried or scared at all, I'm now a little bit more worried about them. I don't know what it is. Maybe you just lose your balance a bit, or I'm not sure. Maybe some of the older people than me can tell me how that is. But... You know, I used to not be worried about climbing a huge big extension ladder, but now I actually have to go, here I go. Um, And I'm hanging onto it a little bit tighter than I used to, yeah? Or walking along the the side of someone's house used to not worry me at all, but now it does. Because I'm thinking, man, I might slip and this might not be good. You know, and uh, crawling through little holes under people's houses and have to breathe my air out as I go through the hole. You know, and all the tradesmen who have had to do that understand what I'm talking about, yeah? And so that can be... Scary now, but I never used to get scared of that at all. But now as I'm getting a bit older and maybe there's more to lose for me now, I'm not sure. Maybe there's more at stake. Maybe the cost is a little bit higher, I'm not sure. You know, I've been on cherry pickers. Um, They make me nervous a little bit now, but they never did. 
and uh, it takes me about three or four goes up and down to feel a bit more comfortable about it. And I remember a couple of years ago, I was, um, I was in a cherry picker with another guy and we put our harnesses on and we get in for the first time. It's fresh in the morning and uh, I'm thinking, oh, okay, I don't want to pretend like I'm a bit nervous, but we got both a little bit nervous. And he goes, um, you, uh, you're right for me to drive it? And I said, uh, yeah, here you can drive it, yep. And uh, he goes, okay, you trust me? And I went, yeah, I trust you. <laughs> and up we went. I want to tell you, I've had those conversations with God where I'm about to face a situation that's a bit scary. I've been done it before, but for some reason I'm a little bit more scared than I have been other times. And God's actually said, you're right if I drive it? Yeah? Are you okay? Okay, I'm good. Yeah, you can drive, but I trust you. I trust you. And sometimes that's tough, okay? Because we live in a dangerous world. So danger's real, fear is optional. I think sometimes we almost risk assess ourselves out of doing something for God. We almost think, oh, let's just make sure we're covering all the bases and make sure everything's nice and level and straight and the harness is all good. But God's just saying, trust me. Trust me, it's going to be okay. He's the insurance that covers the risk assessment. Yeah? You know, um, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. You know, yeah, yeah there's, there's, nerves is a bit different. You know, nerves, you are into tough situations. It's okay to be nervous, but when there's fear and it's controlling my life, when there's fear and it almost is, is, is pulling me down, well, that's not from God. It's from the enemy. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, so if I have a spirit of fear over my life, then who gave it to me? Well, who's putting it on my life? The enemy, yeah? Romans 11, uh, sorry, 8, 11, it says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Wow. What am I scared of? Why is there fear in my life if that's the case? I'm talking to myself today just as much as I'm talking to you. This is actually a word God just spoke to me about and I'm sharing it with you today. I can face the fears in my world. I can face the dangers in my world. I can even face the giants that keep coming up in my life if I remember who is in me, by remembering who's with me and in me. I want to read a story in the Bible today. and I like reading the Bible. Does anyone else? Yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, I, wanna, I can only read part of the story. It's uh, in 1 Samuel 17, and if you've been around church any amount of time, you'll, you'll know this story. It's about David and Goliath. Uh, I, I wanted to read the whole story, but there's 58 verses, and it's uh, a lot. So um, you probably get a little bit bored. So I'm going to read part of the story today, and if you want to keep reading, if you don't know the story, you can keep reading the story in your own time. Uh, and if you know the story, you know what happens. Okay, so uh, the, the Israelite army have gone out to fight the Philistine army uh, in, in um, oh, I've forgotten the valley now, but that's terrible. But in, in a valley, one is either side of the hill, the Philistines are on one hill, the other one's on the other hill, and, uh, and the Israelites are going to fight them with the valley in between. And they have this champion called Goliath who's nine feet tall, comes out and uh, he speaks to the Israelites. And I'm going to take it up in verse 8. And it says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. 
If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephratite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse and his eight sons, uh, sorry, Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Adibanab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. <coughs> For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening to take his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take the ephah of roasted grain and ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take on these ten cheeses to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men in Israel in the valley of Elah. There you go, valley of Elah. Fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, load up, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army were going out into battle uh, into their battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other and David left his things with the keeper of suppliers, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. I love that bit at the end there. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. All of them, everyone, was in great fear. It said it early on in verse 11, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. I don't know, it sounds like there's a fair bit of fear going on there. Yeah? Maybe that sounds a bit like our world that we live in. There's a heck of a lot of fear going around. It's easy to run away and feel great fear but I love that we have to hear about David here. And uh, sorry, everyone was fearful, but the thing I noticed was that the Philistines were standing there and they weren't fearful. The Philistines are standing behind what they thought was an unbeatable champion. And uh, so there they are. They're not fearful. They're not worried. It doesn't say they're running away just because they saw Goliath. But the Israelites have forgotten who they stand behind. So maybe they're, they're looking at the problem that's in front of them right now. And it's bigger than them. Yeah, it is bigger than them. Nine feet tall, they said this champion is. Nine feet. Big giant. It's bigger than them. And they've forgotten to look at who's standing in front of them or who's standing in them because the spirit, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, them. God didn't give us a spirit of fear but of love, power and a sound mind. And they've forgotten who's standing right in front of them instead and they're focused on the problem and not focused on who they're with. That's how fear will come into your life. That's how you'll be terrified about what's going on in your world. And I'm not trying to belittle anything that's going on in your world because I know that there's some real dangers in our world. But we get to choose whether we want to be fearful of it. You know, it says that he came out for 40 days. The Philistine, in verse 16, 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening to take his stand. Man, that seems like a long time. <sighs> And we think, oh, I can be scared for a day. That's scared for 40 days? This is dragging on now. And it just builds on itself, doesn't it? Fear will keep building on itself and it'll keep reminding you every morning and every evening that this is what you're facing. 
You know, you can maybe sometimes we go through some things and we think, oh, you know what? It's going to be better tomorrow. I'll have a good night's sleep. I'll have some fresh eyes. I'll think about it differently. Not if it comes and reminds you that, reminds you that it's in front of you in the morning. And then just so you don't get a good night's sleep, it reminds you in the evening as well. That's what happens to some of these giants that we have in our lives. Just constantly reminds and it builds and builds until you run away scared in great fear. I love how David's turned up with fresh eyes, something different. And sometimes we just got to be reminded, don't we? Someone different, something fresh. And here he is, he hasn't been there for the 40 days and nights, uh, being reminded about what's there. He's just seen it for the first time. And I'm going to keep reading in verse 25. It says, Now the Israelites have been saying, Do you see this man? He keeps coming out. He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He also will give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. There you go, Heather. That's how you get away from capital gains tax. Face the giant, mate. There you go. And the king will just do that for you. All right. That might be the answer for the lady. Go in. Bring the word of God. There you go. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Where does God live? In us. The living God in us. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger. And he asked, why have you come down here? And whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here just to watch the battle. And that's pretty tough. I want to tell you, what I noticed from that is that when you decide that you're going to stand up and talk differently, when you decide that you're going to do something for God, when you get the courage and you, and you, you be fearless to do something different, someone's going to tell you to pull your head in. Most of the time, it's someone that's really close to you. This, for David, is his older brother. David's the youngest. This is the brother that he probably thought, oh, I'm going to be just like Eliab when I grow up. This is the brother that he... I know I'm, I'm speculating here, but I just know from families, little brothers look up to their big brother. And go, oh, I want to be just like that. And he's thinking, oh, he's off in the war and he's fighting. Yeah, I'm going to be just like... And then, what? That brother says to him, oh, what are you doing here? Who did you leave the few sheep with? They're the, they're the runts as well. Dad doesn't even like you. Even rubbish, is to the, he talks to the small David. Go back to the few sheep that you look after in the wilderness. Not even near where Dad lives. And that's what happens sometimes, isn't it? When you decide you're going to stand up, or when you decide to do anything for God, and maybe it's a family member, maybe it's close friends, but they'll rubbish you and tell you and start talking to the small of you. I know it's happened to me and I'm sure it's happened to others. I like what David does. He just ignores his brother. He doesn't have an argument with him. He doesn't tell him he doesn't want to be his brother anymore. Or Everything I thought about you is different now. He doesn't say any of that. He just he turns to someone else. Says, uh, he turns to someone else and asks what, you know, um, he says, when he lives, oh, okay. And then he said, uh, come to, okay. sorry, it's the next bit I haven't read yet. That's, all right, we're coming to that. Okay. I should probably read that bit then. Now what have I done, said David? I can't even speak. He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter and the man answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him. Sorry, so that was, I should have read that bit too. Sorry about that. 
Uh, but yeah, he just sort of turns away. He goes, you know what? I'm not going to have an argument about it. I'm just going to, is that true what they just said? Because I'm interested. I'm interested in fighting. I'm interested in being fearless. I'm interested in standing up for God. I'm going to do this. If we keep reading. So it probably would have been hard for, for Eliab as well. As a man who's been there for 40 days. He was probably a man's man type of guy too. And here's his little brother rocking up, little boy. He says, man, what are you doing? And I, sometimes as a, an older person myself, sometimes you can get, oh, look at this young guy. Jeez, he's not, he's not fearful about climbing a ladder. I am. <laughs> you know? It's, a, it's tough. You start, and it starts to talk to you, the, the, who you are inside too. And, and I guess you start talking to the little you, yourself. Yeah. That's why he was talking to the little David, because inside of him, he was talking to the little Iliad inside himself. And that's where fear comes. Fear starts to do that, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. David said to Saul, um, let, no, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior since his youth. But David said, once again, someone who's important in his life, tell him to pull his head in. Start thinking small about yourself, isn't it? It's not, a God, it's not God's way. It's the enemy's way. It's the devil's way. Yeah? God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power and a love and a sound mind. We've got to start thinking differently than what the enemy's going to tell us. Yeah. All right. Um, but David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear come and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine would be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Where's God live again? In us, yeah? The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Here we go. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around with them because he was not used to them. I cannot go out in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of the shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. I know you're all thinking I'm going to read the rest of the story. I'm not. That's all I'm going to read. Because you need to read it yourself if you don't know the story about what happens. But it's pretty exciting. <laughs> what I do know is that David wasn't fearful. And he didn't want things put on his life that he, didn't, he wasn't used to, that weren't his. Because he'd already had battles. And he'd already won things with the Lord. And so he made it as, 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 back to what it is for him. How he'd fought those lions and the bears before. He hadn't forgotten the victories that he'd had with God. And I think this is a, a real key for us to not fear what's standing in front of us right now. I don't know what you're standing in front of. But to remember, hang on, I, I, I had to have this battle five years ago. Or I had, had this battle last year. And I saw and I trusted the Lord as he was in control of the cherry picker. Man, and, I just, and, and I defeated it. I got through it. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it was a family turmoil. I don't know. But I was able to get through it in the Lord's help, realising that he's standing in me, he's standing in front of me, he's standing around me, 
He's with me and he hasn't given me a spirit of fear. So this is the key. Don't forget the past battles that you've had to fight with the Lord. And David was in that place. He even had to remind them. As they're talking to the little David, he starts reminding him of the big God that he has in him. Maybe he was little in stature, but he had everything that God gave at his disposal from God. And David didn't forget whose side he was on. He knew he was on God's side, and we are on God's side. That's why we can be fearless. That's why we can have a courage culture over us. That's why we can be courageous to face the dangers of the world and the things that are up in our face. As I close, I want to share a story, and I'll ask the team to come up if they want. And, uh, you know, as I was going through this sermon, this story came into my head, so I thought, oh, I'm going to share it. Um, In 2009, I was in Africa uh, on a missions trip, um, we were in a small team, uh, Mitch was there, but um, we, we broke up into smaller teams and um, in the team that I was looking after was Steve Hunter, which I don't think he's here today, and Stuart Baines, they're still here in our church. And uh, so there was the three of us in a whole busload of um, Africans from Nairobi, uh, which probably looked really funny, and, uh, but we travelled around Kenya uh, a long way from Nairobi, which is, I guess, civilization. We we're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the whole time we're there, it's a bit tense. Um, it's, a little, it's, it's a kind of, Africa's a place that's different. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so, and we went up to a couple of different prisons. We're doing prison ministry. And uh, we're up near Sudan. And in those days, there was a war in Sudan and it was pretty, pretty hefty. And, uh, and so we weren't too far from the border. And um, when we're in that place, the whole, the whole town felt really, really tense. And um, I guess uh, we were a little bit worried. In some ways, yeah, there was things to fear there. And uh, but we, we went to the prison. We did what we had to do, and then we were having lunch in town with all the guards. And um, during lunch, it got really heated—not towards us, but to the team that we had with us. And they're having a very heated discussion, not in English. Um, and the commandant actually just told them to stop. And I thought, oh, he's just going to tell them to stop the conversation because he can tell it was getting tense. No, he just said, speak in English so these guys can hear what you're saying. <laughs> okay. And uh, then we realised what was happening was that a few of the guards were upset that we would come and look after prisoners and be nice to them and do some good things in the prison. Why wouldn't we come and fix their society? Why? Yeah, and he said, oh, we've got, we've got youth in the streets vandalising and all that sort of stuff. And he started telling it how their society and their community is and saying that, that families have to lock themselves away at night because of dangerous stuff, you know. And this is a dangerous place, right? I understand that. And as he was talking it through, I'm thinking, I have no idea how, like, are they going to let us out of here? I don't know. Like, it was really tense. And then this young guy, and it was actually um, Steve Hunter's uh, buddy. We all had a buddy that looked after us. And he was only 24 years old. And he was actually from that area. And he stood up and he came into the semicircle that we kind of had where we were eating. And he just sort of stood there and put his hand up. And they all went quiet. And... And he, he looked at them all, he walked around and he said, look at my face, look at my face, I'm from here. And he said, and I'm a young man, I'm a young man, and you're talking about young men who are doing bad things in your city. You're talking about young men who don't have fathers. 
And he said, I was one of these men. I was one of these young men. I didn't have a father. But I met a man called Don Matheny, who was the senior pastor at Narabi. He said, I met a man named Don Matheny and he became my dad. And he introduced me to Jesus. And now I'm different. And you're asking us, why don't we come and fix your city? And the answer is right in front of you. Why don't you stand up and be dads? Because as a young man, I'm telling you, we need dads to stand up and be dads to these young men. Why don't you start programs and stuff like that? We've come here to do something in the prison, yes, but we're happy to do something in your city. But you've got to step forward yourself. And I remember him saying, you have to have the courage to be dads to these young men who don't have dads. And I want to tell you, the whole thing just went, and they applauded him. This young man who decided that he was going to be courageous for us and stand up and speak the truth fearlessly and courageously. And he stood there and they applauded him and he sat back down and the whole thing was completely different, peaceful, happy. And they welcomed, you know, we, we suddenly felt welcome then because we weren't feeling welcomed before that. And I, I was reminded of that story. I was, I was talking about this because I know I wasn't, a, I wasn't that old then either, but I still wasn't young as this man. And uh, he fixed the whole problem. And sometimes young people can do that. I want to pray for us today as I finish. And I'm only, oh, I'm on time. This is good. But I want us to remember, don't let people speak to the small you. Don't let people remind you about what you've been doing in the small level. Get the people around you that are going to speak to the big you. Sometimes that's hard and that's tough. And that takes courage in itself. Don't forget about the past victories you've had with the Lord. Remember them. Write them down if you have to. But remember them at the times that God came through for you as you let him be in charge of the cherry picker. And never forget whose side you're on. Don't forget that uh, the spirit that lives in you, the spirit that lives in you, raised Jesus from the dead. What? Man, that's incredible. But it's true. And we can face whatever we've got to face in the world. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we honour you. Lord, I, I just thank you that uh, your power is in us, your victory is in us, that we don't have to worry about what we're facing, Lord God. we just got to focus on you and stand with you. You'll give us all the tools we need to take on the giants in our life, Lord God. You will give us the strength and the, and the uh, authority to take down any fear in us, Lord God. And we praise you today. We give you honour that you deserve, Jesus, in your name. Amen.